Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. It is beautiful, and the ocean there is just incredible. And the tides, the beach is shallow, so when the tide comes in and out, it's a really dramatic shift. It's like the tide recedes like a mile, probably not a mile, but it's like it recedes so you can barely see it, and you're just looking at glassy sand as far as you can see, and then the tide comes all the way back in, and it's crashing waves again. And it's exquisite. Hi, I'm Kelly Edwards, and this is Let's Go Together, a podcast from Travel and Leisure about the ways travel connects us and what happens when you don't let anything stop you from seeing the world. On this episode, we're headed to Provincetown, a seaside town on the tip of Cape Cod known as a haven for artists and the queer community with our guest, Jordan Kistner. My name is Jordan Kistner. I am a writer of essays and criticism, and most recently the author of a book called Thin Places, Essays from In Between. And I write about all kinds of things, but most recently I was lucky enough to get to write about Provincetown for travel and leisure. Jordan has always had an amazing way with words, and I was excited to hear all about her trip to Provincetown. But first, I wanted to get to know her better as a traveler. You grew up in San Diego and you spent your early Easter's in Texas and currently live in New York. And you've had a successful career writing essays and articles about people, culture, and places all across the country. What can you tell us about your relationship with travel and how that intersects with your writing? Oh, I love that question. I think that from a very, very young age, I felt very excited by the possibility of travel. I was a little girl who really loved to read and in particular loved to read about people and places that were really far from the little beach town where I was growing up. And I love the little beach town where I grew up, Cardiff by the Sea in San Diego, California. Yet I also had this thirst and desire to see as much of the world as possible. And I wonder if that has something to do with the fact of living right on the ocean, right on the Pacific Ocean with that kind of endless view to the horizon. And so waking up and going to sleep every day in view of this sense of the bigness of the world and really wanting to get after that. And so I left California, sadly, with some sadness, but I left California to go to college and have stayed on the East Coast ever since then, but have had the opportunity as a child to travel with my parents because that was something that they really prioritized with their time and their leisure. And that felt like a huge privilege and a luxury to get to travel with them as a young person and to see different parts of the United States and different parts of the world. And then as an adult, becoming a person who wanted to write for a living, one of the first places I ever worked was actually Departures Magazine, which is a luxury travel magazine. And from there, I got to see the way that writing and travel can actually be partnered in a profession where you can decide, you know, I'm so curious. I want to learn more about 
X topic or X place. And that curiosity can actually stand in for a reader's curiosity. And you can go to that part of the world, whether it's to Laredo, Texas, where I've been to report or to Cleveland or to Sweden or to Paris or to Provincetown and that your eyes and ears get to stand in for the reader's eyes and ears. And that's a huge responsibility and a huge privilege and a huge joy in my writing life. It's one of my favorite things about my job is that I get to go see different people and places than I would have otherwise ever encountered. I really, really loved your answer. And there were a few things that stick out to me from what you just said. Let's start with the fact that as children, when we are exposed to travel, look at what it can do for our lives. Me and you have a very similar story in that manner. I grew up traveling and taking road trips with my family. And I hear you saying that your family prioritized travel and it allowed us to grow up and find a connection in a way that we could have a career out of it. And it's something that can be really fulfilling as well. And so as I'm listening to you, I'm like, we're kindred spirits in that way because we had that same experience. So, you know, if you are a parent listening to this right now and you have children and you're thinking about how travel can be done with children, no matter what, I encourage you to get it done because you've just heard two people say how it's affected our lives in a way that has been beneficial not only to us, but to readers and viewers as well. So that was great, Jordan. Oh, yeah. And I would add to that that travel can sometimes seem like a big intimidating thing financially, logistically, especially with children. But a lot of one of my favorite trips that we ever took when I was little was like you were saying a road trip. We took a road trip to some national parks and that was just getting to see the hugeness of the country and the variety of the terrain was such a big deal. And another of my favorite things that we did for travel when I was little was just going to the desert an hour away from our house, which is again, it's a vastly different landscape out in the Anza Borrego Desert than it is on the beach in San Diego and getting to go out there and hike just for a weekend or to camp, that felt like as big a deal as some of the farther flung places that I, I've gotten to go. What do you seek when you travel and what kinds of experiences are you drawn to? For work or for pleasure? Actually, we can do both. <laughs> for pleasure, I tend to like this is not a very original answer, but for pleasure, I'm always interested in seeking places of great natural beauty or great architectural beauty. So I'll love an old city, whether that's, I've never been to Buenos Aires, but I would love to go to Buenos Aires. I was born in Paris and I always love going back there because I think that's such a beautiful city. I loved visiting Amsterdam. So like a beautiful historied city is always something that I'm just excited to go walk around. I love to just walk around a city, which is something I picked up, I think, being a New Yorker. Mm -hmm. The excitement of just getting to walk around. I mean, honestly, a couple weeks ago, I was just in Columbus, Ohio, where I'd never been. And getting to walk around Columbus, Ohio was exciting. And to see the parks and to see the buildings and the architecture and the little bookstores and that kind of thing is one way I really love to travel for pleasure is to just drop into a city that's really different from mine and see what the walking life is like there and what the art is like and the food and then seeking out natural beauty also feels like a different kind of travel but just that kind where your breath gets taken away with total wonder I recently just drove across the country and getting to drive through some parts of Utah where 
you might not ever go if you were just kind of flying into Utah and then flying back out and Colorado, you know, getting to see some of the really far flung areas and the hiking trails there and the mountains and the scenery and just the way the vista changes every 10 seconds when you're in the car is breathtaking. And that's also something I like. So I either kind of like to be right in a city or in the middle of nowhere when I'm traveling for fun. I was giggling at that because I totally understand. It's like, okay, city or in the middle of nowhere. There's like really no, <laughs> no in between. Uh, and I find that pretty interesting. You recently wrote a feature for Travel and Leisure about the town of Provincetown, which is located at the top of Cape Cod. What drew you to visiting Provincetown? You know, it was a place that I'd heard a lot about. It's definitely kind of a destination and spoken of with a lot of affection and some reverence in the LGBTQ community because it has been a town that has been welcoming to queer people for a long time, even back in years when most places were not welcoming. And so I had heard of it that way. And also I had heard of it because it has a writer's colony and an artist's colony. And a number of writers who I really love and admire have lived there and written books out there and set their books out there. For example, the poet Mark Doty, well, he's a poet and a prose writer as well. I've read a number of books that he wrote that take place in Provincetown and the descriptions of it were so beautiful. And so it also just felt like I wanted to go there as a kind of pilgrimage to visit the place where so many artists I admire have been and have worked and have made incredible art and literature. Yes, when I was reading that article, I loved how you described, you said you expected it to be like a certain way and then you saw all these little tiny houses with these beautiful gardens. I could just imagine walking down a street that had that description. So I love that it is a place that has resonated with you in a lot of ways from the poetry to the people who inhabit it. And I thought that was just really, really neat. You wrote that your partner described Provincetown as a gay colonial Disneyland. <laughs> that kind of alludes to a little bit about what I was talking about, but what does that mean exactly? <laughs> She's a sort of a witty person. And that was like the thing that came out as we were driving in. She was like, oh my God, what is this? Because there's sort of a combination of cultural elements in Provincetown as we were entering it for the first time that seemed incongruous or like a combination that I had never gotten to see before, which is that it's like a very old school looking Cape Cod kind of village. It's a lot of these very old fishing houses and white picket fences and American flags. It's very Cape Cod in that way. It looks quaint and it looks like it might be a very traditional sort of old school kind of East Coast beach community. And at the same time, as we were driving in the day that we arrived, everyone we saw on the street seemed to be gay or queer. It was couples, it was queer couples holding hands everywhere. I have never seen such a concentration and I live in Brooklyn. So it's not like I have never been in a place where you see a lot of queer people around, but I have never seen sort of a density of queer people anywhere, just in terms of like proportionate to who's on the street. So you have this very 
old school sort of colonial white picket fence American flag kind of villagey architecture. You have a ton of gay and queer and trans and non-binary people on the street. And at the same time, the town has really developed a commercial identity around being a haven for the LGBTQ community. So there's also like a lot of merch you can buy related to rainbow flags and like that kind of thing, which is I think where the Disneyland comment came in. There was something sort of miraculous about it and something also very commercial about the way that the queer community was sitting in this old American. I mean, it's where the pilgrims landed the very first time. It's about one of the oldest places, one of the oldest sites of colonial settlement in the country. I don't believe it's the oldest. I don't want to get myself in trouble with a fact checker there. But the pilgrims, when they landed, landed first in Provincetown. And so there is this confluence of things that is surprising and wonderful and also has been kind of codified as part of the town's tourist economy. That's so interesting. Do you know by any chance when the LGBTQ community, in a way it sounds like in a way, took over that town from the way it's described? Do you know when that transition happened or what are the roots of that? Yeah, you know, I'm not totally sure off the top of my head about the demography. I don't believe that, for example, it's 100% gay or queer people living in Provincetown. I I think there is some diversity there. I would be curious to look up the specific local statistics on that of Mm -hmm. who owns homes there and who visits. Though I think a large share of the people who visit are LGBTQ community members. In terms of the origins of that, a long time ago, maybe 100 years ago or more, Provincetown was already developing a reputation as an artist's colony. There were playwrights and dancers and painters and all kinds of, it was a little bit bohemian and creative. And it was maybe a little bit more free-spirited than other places on Cape Cod, in part because at least the exhibit that I saw at the Historical Society pointed out that it might have been because the town was predominantly at that time a Portuguese fishing village, as opposed to a slightly more like the sort of pilgrim that culturally the Portuguese fishermen who were there were more welcoming, say, to artists, to a creative spirit. There was a funny line in this exhibit saying that the Portuguese were not averse to dancing, mm-hmm. whereas maybe other communities on Cape Cod were a little bit averse to dancing <laughs> <laughs> on religious grounds. And so there was maybe always, right out on the edge in Provincetown, this feeling of there being a little bit more creativity and cultural spark and more of an opportunity for people to come and be living like an artist's life or maybe outside of the very orthodox or the very traditional. And then later in the 20th century, it started to sort of gain more and more of a reputation as an artist colony, which brought a lot of lot of artists out, some of whom were gay. And then during the AIDS crisis and the AIDS epidemic, Provincetown was one of not very many places where people could rent a home or buy a home, even though they were HIV positive or struggling with AIDS, where they faced less discrimination, essentially, in this community, no matter whether or not they were gay or struggling with positive status. A community began to build there 
because it was a safe place. It was a safe and welcoming place. And from there, it has sort of continued to grow as like a haven and a, a meeting place for that community. We're taking a quick break. And when we come back, Jordan shares some of her most memorable moments from her weekend in Provincetown, including dining on the seashore during the rising tide. Stick around. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to Let's Go Together from Travel and Leisure. My guest today is Jordan Kistner, an essayist who recently wrote a feature for Travel and Leisure about Provincetown. Before the break, we learned all about the history of the town. Now let's hear more about Jordan's personal experiences in Provincetown. Getting back to your feature, you wrote beautifully about the sights and tastes of Provincetown. What stories or experiences from your trip that have stuck with you? Well, you know, we happened to go last August, at the end of last summer. We were still very much in the middle of a pandemic. I hadn't gone anywhere <laughs> at all in months. And the idea of going somewhere for pleasure or just to experience a new place felt kind of shocking, <laughs> like a shocking luxury. I hadn't seen the ocean in months and months and months. And I grew up seeing it. You know, I grew up on the Pacific Ocean and now I live in New York where we have the river and the ocean nearby. Just getting to go to experience a new place, getting to sort of broaden outside the four walls that I had been living in and to see a new place and to see the ocean again felt like such an unbelievable relief to me. And it is beautiful. I mean, the ocean there is just incredible. And the tides, the beach is shallow. So when the tide comes in and out, it's a really dramatic shift. It's like the tide recedes like a mile probably not a mile, but it's like it recedes so you can barely see it and you're just looking at glassy sand mm. as far as you can see. And then the tide comes all the way back in and it's crashing waves again. Wow. And it's exquisite. There's so much preserved natural landscape out there too, which was not something I really knew before going, how much nature and wild landscape is preserved out there and how stunning it is getting to bike through the bike trails there at Cape Cod National Seashore, which is the reserve that surrounds Provincetown, getting to eat on the beach. There's this incredible restaurant called Sal's Place that had been recommended to me by a bunch of locals, partially for COVID protocols. Nobody was eating inside. And so they had just set all their dining tables down on the sand at the beach next to the restaurant. And everyone was eating by lantern light. And then the tide came in you know, we had the ocean around our ankles while we were eating the most incredible clam pasta I've ever had in my <laughs> life. And it was just such a, there was something that was sort of scrappy about that. They were still trying to feed people. So they just put us down next to the ocean and then we were eating in the ocean. And it was also incredibly 
picturesque and luxurious and managed also at that time to feel safe because Provincetown did a really good job of encouraging and ensuring mask compliance in the town. And so their caseload was extremely low, almost at zero for almost that whole summer. And so it felt like re-entering a parallel universe where you could eat outside next to the ocean and a beautiful bowl of pasta and feel pretty safe. Hmm, that's amazing. Ah, the best clam pasta. Let me remember that because I'm definitely a seafoodie. I seafood and I eat it, but I also just really love seafood. So <laughs> this one was really special. You should go. You should go have it. <laughs> Thank you. I will definitely keep that in mind. Was there anything that you wish you had the chance to explore a little deeper while you were there? I could have spent more time just exploring the national seashore, the preserve there. I feel like we did a really, we got to see a lot of the town and try a bunch of great food and meet wonderful people. And we did bike through the dunes, but there's actually much more to that preserve than I was able to see. And that I would love to go back and explore further. And then there were a lot of things that one would normally do in Provincetown, maybe if you're visiting during the summer, that we didn't get to do because it wasn't happening because of the pandemic. So Mm -hmm. in the summer, Provincetown is known for its parties and its parades, its themed parades. It's a very festive and convivial and lots of concerts, lots of shows, that kind of thing. And that's a big part actually of its queer life. There's this huge queer nightlife and queer public life that happens in the form of shows, parades, parties, that kind of thing. And that was all shut down. And so it was a much quieter Provincetown that we got to encounter than I think is the typical. I mean, it was peaceful and lovely and still very vibrant, but I would love to go back when everybody is out. I'd like to go back to the parades. Sounds like you put in the article everything that you experienced since it was, it sounds like there were some things that you didn't get to experience that would normally be there. But is there anything interesting from your trip that didn't make it into the feature? Maybe because of word count? (laughs) Mm, That's a good question. Something that I don't know if I wrote about at length, but that I really loved was we would in the morning go get a sandwich, like a breakfast sandwich, and take it to Pilgrim's Monument, which is a monument with the sort of next to a, a jetty that extends all the way out to another sort of little sandbar island that you can walk Mm. on. And I really loved in the mornings getting breakfast and walking out onto this long rock jetty where some locals told us that that's actually where the best swimming is, Hmm. is that there's this little bay formed by the jetty and it was spectacular swimming. So we would go get our breakfast sandwiches, go out on the jetty, eat, swim, walk farther, sort of off to the that little sandbar island that you can reach. I would have actually loved to spend more time exploring out there too. See, I'm glad I asked you that because <laughs> we read these things and there's just other happenings that may not make it into the article. So thank you so much for sharing that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My last question for you is the world's opening back up. What's next on your travel bucket list? <laughs> oh, I, for years and years and years, have been wanting to go to Spain. My first job out of college was that I waitressed at a Spanish restaurant Mm. in New York City, and they were very, very serious about their food and wine program. And so because I was waiting tables there, I also had to go to school 
I don't know if it was once a month or once a week, we would come in in the morning and we would get these lectures about the different regions of Spain and their viticulture and their agriculture. And we would get a, a new region every time. And we learned so much about the food and the terrain and all the different regions and all the different modes of preparing and all the different ways that different kinds of grapes grow in different places and the methods used. And ever since then, so since I was about like 21 years old, I have been craving Spain. I have been wanting to go to Spain and I have not ever gone. And I am hoping that this year can be the year. I really, really want that for you because I have been to Spain twice and it is definitely in my top five countries to visit. I love Malaga, Algeciras, Sevilla, Madrid, Barcelona. I mean, when I tell you- I really want to go to Sevilla. It's so amazing. You're going to love it. You're going to love. (laughs) I hope I can get that. However I can get there, I hope it's as soon as possible. I really wish that for you. Well, thank you so much for being here. I really enjoyed speaking with you today. And I will make sure that everyone knows to not only read your article on Provincetown, but just to follow you because even in the way you speak, your writing is just as amazing. And thank you for sharing the world with us through your words. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much. I so appreciate what you do, love what you do. And it was such an honor to get to be here and speak with you. This has been Let's Go Together, a podcast by Traveling Leisure. I'm Kelly Edwards. My guest this episode was Jordan Kistner. Follow Jordan's thoughts on Twitter at Jordan underscore Kistner, as well as on Instagram at Jordan.Kistner. And don't forget to check out her book, Thin Places, Essays from In Between. Be sure to follow Let's Go Together on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. And if you're enjoying the show, we would really appreciate it if you could leave us a rating and review. Join us next week as guest host Tanner Saunders sits down with celebrity couple Jordan Bennett and James Vaughn to talk about their new travel company, Outbound, creating travel experiences for the LGBTQ community. Thanks to our production team at Pod People, Rachel King, Matt Sav, Danielle Roth, Lena Beck-Sillison, and Marvin Yu. This show was recorded in Los Angeles, edited in New York City, and can be found wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks also to the team at Travel and Leisure, Deanne Kurzerski, Nina Ruggiero, and Tanner Saunders. You can find out more at travelandleisure.com slash podcast. You can find Travel and Leisure on Instagram at Travel and Leisure, on Twitter at Travel Leisure, on TikTok at Travel and Leisure Mag, and you can find me at Kelly Set Go. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you back here next week for more from Let's Go Together.